on this episode of Not Normal. Do you, do you puff mushrooms? Yeah, you know, like Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> we have another return. We have a return of a white lady. Uh, she rarely makes appearances, but she is believed to be a benign spirit. Don't could you go imagine if him. we could harness that into a dating app today? He's a douchebag. Swipe uh, left. Right. Swipe left. Please. If you're on a college campus that's older than, say, five years old, there are ghost legends. Hello? Lisa, I'm not afraid of ghosts. I'm so scared. Paranormal, is that what they're calling your kind these days? Well, I mean, let's face it. You're not exactly normal, are you? I myself am strange and unusual. It's not exactly a normal world, is it? Envision Podcasting, in association with The Venture Project, presents Not Normal. It's showtime. Welcome to Not Normal, the only paranormal podcast that doesn't take fairies for granted. I'm your host, Randy Strew, and with me as always is AJ Armstrong, your partner in criminal activity or paranormal activity. I was going to say, uh, that's a different podcast entirely, and this is going out to the public, so let's let's keep those. Is it, though? I saw, wow. I saw, I saw that uh, a couple years back, that guy, what's that guy, the... David Blaine, the magician, got arrested for something. And I'm like, good luck keeping that guy in jail, man. I That's mean, true. think about that. So, I so mean, are, are you know, you there, saying there's an intersection our, between criminal activity and the paranormal world. So are you saying that with our paranormal abilities, we can escape prison? Is that? Well, I don't know. Houdini figured it out somehow. That's true. And he didn't even believe in ghosts. <laughs> That's a good point. That's wild. Maybe the paranormal is slowly going to become the normal. That's right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, today we're talking about an interesting thing. Haunted frat houses. Wow. I thought they all are. Well, yeah. I you know, that's, just assume. Yeah. that's the thing. I mean, ghosts and frat houses go together like uh, douchebags and frat houses. Yeah. I mean, anywhere where you're constantly puffing mushrooms, you're pretty much going to uh, see ghosts. Yeah. Fact. Do, do you puff mushrooms? Yeah. You know, like Lucky Charms. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you doing with your lucky charms hey man in the paranormal world you got to be mind mind expanding we don't we don't judge here yeah. uh, aaron's aaron's still licking frog asses trying to get high uh, that's right yeah you remember that yeah. back 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 when that was a thing yeah i've seen people do some really weird things i mean that was also a thing it, i think it still is to sniff gas and glue well yeah Puffing yeah. dumber than shit, but yeah, it's a thing. Makes a lot of sense. Anything that says flammable works for me. Yeah, you should definitely be putting that into your into your lungs. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> As a guy that's reluctant to drink alcohol, I don't think I'm going to be licking frog asses in the near future. Uh I it tastes like chicken. Um <laughs> you gotta you gotta give it to the pioneers that like, let's try this. Right. <laughs> Well, it's like, yeah, like anything, you know, like, yeah, who, who came up with that idea? Like, you know, I wonder what, ha- what would happen if I licked this thing's ass. Right. No. Um, all right. So the, uh, the Tau Epsilon Phi fraternity house sitting atop a hill in Potsdam, New York, 
is actually said to be the residence of at least three ghosts. But the one that we're going to be talking about today is known as, and this will sound familiar to some, the white lady. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have another return. We have a return of a white lady. Now, this ghost is said to be that of a young lady who hung herself in her closet wearing her wedding gown on the eve of her wedding. Now, according to legend, the wedding was to a wealthy uncle and was arranged by the young woman's family in hopes of keeping the wealth within the family. Her family. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If if you want to keep the wealth in the family, incest. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So uh, her family locked her bedroom for the night and to be sure she wouldn't run away, which, you know, she didn't. Instead, they opened the door, found her dead the next morning. She had hung herself behind her bedroom closet. Now, the room in which this took place, uh, that which is said to be the home of the white lady, is uh, labeled by the fraternity the frying pan room due to its extremely high temperature. Now, author Sherry Revai, the uh, the author of Haunted Northern New York, uh, says that you can actually feel the almost suffocating presence near the door even now. Of course, that could have nothing at all to do with the fact that it is, as mentioned, hot. Right, right. (laughs) But uh, must it must be the ghost and certainly not the temperature, which has led the people who live there to actually label it the frying pan room. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I'm actually if we're going to go do a paranormal investigation, I would love to go have a few brewskis with a frat up in New York. Right. And try to get get to the bottom of this. But I will bring an air conditioner if it's called the frying pan room. Right. Or or we could drive 13 miles down the road to a sorority in Canton called Capital Delta Sigma. Now we're talking where there lives a ghost named Elaine. Now, Elaine haunts the Canton sorority, uh, Kappa Delta Sigma, said to be a young woman who, listen to this, hung herself in her closet wearing her wedding dress. Is this just kind of like a cultural staple of that community? <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I'm a little upset with my marriage. I'm going to show them. Well, Let's here's the this. difference. Uh, Elaine did want to get married, but was stood up at the altar. Ooh. Now, though she is said that does to happen, be, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, she rarely makes appearances, but she is believed to be a benign spirit, warning them away from potentially unsuitable dates by causing the phone to go dead. That's Somewhere a very helpful spirit, I would right, say. Right. Right. Don't. <laughs> Don't could you imagine if him. we could harness that into a dating app today? He's a douchebag. Swipe uh, left. That's right. Swipe left. Please. You will thank me later. <laughs> Some residents have also claimed to be hearing the spirit crying in the room where she is said to have killed herself. The room known as the cold dorm. The contrast. The contrast this is going to be a symbol of something. But what? Yeah, but, but what, what Randy? All right, well, let's take a look at the, at the similarities and the differences. Now, keep in mind, one of these is in uh, uh, Potsdam, a, a college in Potsdam. The other is in a uh, college in Canton. These are 13 miles away, which if you live in upstate New York, means they're neighbors. Yes. Okay. Uh, Northern New York, really. And probably have to go over a big hill to get there. Um, not, not even really. It's, I'll put, I used to live there. And uh, yeah, the. They basically they're basically neighbors. You drive 13 miles across flatland, which look, if you live in northern New York, especially in some parts of northern New York, you drive a minimum of 13 miles to go anywhere. Right. And that's a minimum. I mean, 
where I lived, my job was about a 40 minute drive away. And I used to tell people about this, you know, who didn't live in Northern New York, you know, I drive 40 minutes to work every day. And they're like, why on earth would you drive 40 minutes to work every day? I'm like, because I live in Northern New York. And if you work anywhere, you're going to drive 40 minutes. Yes. <laughs> and that's just how it is. <laughs> so like, unless I want to work at, uh, at Al Smith's grocery store, I'm going to drive 40 minutes. That's, that's, that's just life. It. It's just, you pick a point on the map and you draw a 40 minute circle around it. And these are the places to work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's take a look at the differences and the similarities here. Uh, now, young woman in her wedding gown, hanging herself in the closet of her bedroom, of her bedroom, two different places, but very, very similar, right? Mm hmm. Now, here are the differences. We have the background of the suicide. The white lady in the frat house was fearful of being forced to marry her uncle. Incest was not best for her. Yeah. Or for anybody. Or for anybody. I mean, we're not here to judge. We're not here to judge. If you're into it with your uncle. It, you know. is, it is icky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Elaine, the sorority ghost, was humiliated on what should have been the happiest day of her life. Now, in this, in the first instance, the young lady is said to have killed herself before the wedding was to take place. And obviously, in the second instance, it was after. Now, we have the location of both legends and their subsequent hauntings. Now, many Greek houses have rooms that are named for a variety of reasons, right? And even in the two that we're talking about, they called it the frying pan room because it was hotter than hell. And in the sorority room, it was called the cold dorm for what I would think would be obvious reasons. Yes. Now, it should also be noted, however, that uh, neither story has actual historical evidence to back up the legends. Which, which uh, do we have a time frame of when this is supposed to happen? Uh, well, let's see. Back when marrying, uh, uh, back when being forced to marry your uncle was cool. <laughs> well, it is upstate New York. So, <laughs> so, so a month and a half ago. Yeah. So a month and a half ago, it started <laughs> to be frowned upon, right? <laughs> My wife is from Northern New York. I'll have you know. Oh, boy, I'm in and trouble her, already. And her family is perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. And everybody we went to church with back up back there is perfectly fine. Yes, uh, perfectly fine. Even Brewster and his uncle dad. Um, <laughs> this is my cousin, sister. It's my sister, cousin. She's going to be my wife and soon. Uh, we like a pig. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's let's just alienate everyone. We already got the press pissed off. Let's I think farmers is next on our yeah. list. Yeah, we're a podcast. We you're are a, we are interested in ruining our own podcast. Oh, you're a dairy farmer. Well, screw you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, now there is a link or a, a suggested link between the two stories, I think. Uh though they may have changed somewhat to fit settings. Uh, University of New York professor Stanley Milgram, who is a, uh, also a folklorist, calls this the small world problem. Now, in essence, what the small world problem is, is that we're all connected by acquaintance within a certain degree, seven degrees mm -hmm. of Kevin Bacon, that kind of thing. Uh, to test this, Milgram created an urban legend, which he circulated to see when it would return back to him. Now, his suggestion and the evidence ended up supporting that within just a few incarnations or retellings, it would eventually reach somebody who knew the originator or the originator himself. 
in other words, you create an urban legend. Eventually, it's going to go through enough things pretty quickly to come back to you. Yeah. But by the time this occurs, and we've talked about this game of telephone before, the story is taken on a life of its own and is no longer attributed to the original teller, which makes the tracing of such stories extremely difficult. Uh, folklorist John Harold Brunvin, who we've talked about in this podcast previously, says uh, sometimes actual events ger- ger- generate urban legends, but legends about real incidents get so localized and stylized that they soon exist independently as oral stories detached from their origins. He says most urban legends are pure fantasies from someone's imagination. They change as they spread, but they're always told as true. Yeah. So it's basically the what, what's ha- what could be happening here is that uh, because of their proximity and just the sharing of the story, it circulated its rounds, made its way over 13 miles down the street, and it somehow popped back up as a variation of the same legend. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very possible that it started in one school and ended up at the other one. Yeah. Um, and frat houses are, you know, as we said, ghosts and frat houses just go together uh, i just did a quick search this morning yeah mushrooms uh, and ghosts are very well connected uh the university of georgia atlanta it has four ha- so-called haunted frat houses by itself uh marshall university in west virginia has at least one slippery rock university in pennsylvania has at least one and kansas state university has at least one haunted sorority so and then you do you, you do other searches and you see people, yeah, people everywhere have these haunted frat houses. And I mean, these are colleges in general tend to be, you know, people tend to think that if, if, if you're on a college campus that's older than, say, five years old, there are ghost legends. I think the other thing that's um, unique about college campuses was there's an interesting book. It's, it's actually a marketing book called, um, I want to say it's called Contagion or Contagious. And it's, it's basically about how you know, different marketing strategies spread by word of mouth and college campuses are usually the home to most of those types of things because there's such a social proximity. So oral um, stories and oral recommendations flow very quickly. If you think about Chipotle or some of these successful restaurants or dating apps or apps in general, they're usually popularized because of college culture. And I'm wondering if that somehow ties into this idea with the, the the legends and the urban legends is because there's such a strong oral culture. And I mean that oral in the voices, Randy, not right. what you're thinking in co- in college, but anyway, it's well, it's just... <laughs> let's, you, let's not be too hasty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the, the point is that there's such a strong social um, presence and culture versus anywhere else in the world. Really. You never really have, people living with each other like roommates. You never really have friends and parties consistently. So the ability to spread a story or spread a recommendation is very likely to happen. And I wonder if that's just part of what's why they're so popular in these frats. Well, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, like you say, you're, you're close in proximity. You're living with people. You're drinking a lot. A whole lot. A whole lot. <laughs> uh, you're in a stressful situation, which is college. You know, even if you're partying, there's at least a part of the back of your mind that feels guilty about it. Right. Even Uh, if you're a pottery major, it's still stressful. That's right. Even even pottery majors get stressed out. Now, as I mentioned, the suicide bride is, um, you know, we talked about the white lady being a specific kind of ghost. We talked about the phantom hitchhiker. Well, the suicide bride is not unlike some of those. There are suicide brides 
everywhere. Uh, for example, a woman named Lydia was staying at Greenbrier, Blo- uh, Greenbrier Lodge for an extended visit. Lydia was in love with a young gentleman from nearby. They were engaged to be wed. Now, on the day her wedding came, she went to the church in her white gown, waited at the altar, but he came down with uh, cold feet and left her there. She came to the conclusion that she'd been stood up by her fiance, left alone at the altar. Lydia was devastated. She waited several hours at the church, according to legend, and convinced herself that things were going to be okay. But the more she thought about returning home, Without a husband, the worse it got. She got up early the next morning and hung herself by the neck from a rafter beam at the hotel. What is it with women thinking they need a husband so badly? It's not that bad. You know, hey, you know this guy couldn't even commit to a freaking wedding date. Maybe he wasn't meant for you. Yeah, well, and 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 my my hunch is, and I and I suspect that if we did the uh, the research into the histories and things like that, it would play out. Uh, my hunch is that this happens in legend more than it happens in real life. Yeah, probably, and because first of all, I don't even see like the like what does it mean to be stood up on the altar anyway? You know, it's you'd probably have some hints from people. Hey, you know, the groom's not standing up there. Something's going on before you decide to walk down, and nobody's there, right? Well, that's true. I guess you know some of that might depend on on the wedding, um, wedding style, wedding style, or, or yeah, yeah. What, what your tradition. I imagine are, this was done yeah. back in the day where it was a little bit different, but like we don't really have an origin date. We don't really have a story. Universities are older. They probably, I don't know if we if we know the the foundation of the university, we probably pin it down because I imagine some of these houses might have not even they might have been built just for frats. So. This could be quickly debunked looking at maybe the the parcel records of the property itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now I want to mention another one uh, and this is interesting. So we have a, we have a, um, another ghost who has a name who was stood up by the altar and who hung herself, right? Another suicide bride of that, of that nature. Now in rapid city, South Dakota, in a particular room in a hotel uh, room eight, 12, it is. There's a lady in white who on the eighth floor uh, says that a, a, a bride on her wedding night either jumped or fell or sadly hung herself in the room. So, again, we, we take a look at these at these instances. Right. So you have a white lady or wait or lady in white who dies on her wedding day. Or the day before her wedding day. Yes. She has no name. She's known as the lady in white. That's true at this hotel in South Dakota, and it's true at the fraternity. Then you have a named, uh, a named ghost. Uh, in the one case, it's it's Lydia, and in the case of Kappa Delta Sigma, it's Elaine. Which, by the way, those names sound familiar or sound similar. Yeah, who was stood up at the altar, and then made the decision to take their own lives. Huh. Yeah, and it's. I'm trying to also draw parallels to some of the other stories of the ladies in white that we discussed definitely relates to like the, the, like there's definitely a marriage theme or like, um, for example, in, in Chicago, we talked about the lady in white that was, the, it was mixed kind of with the hitchhiker. Right. Um, but this was, she was a single looking to date. Right. Um, we looked at Kate blood. There was stories with her, with her being a mother and there's some kind of level of discomfort with relationship. Maybe 
that seems like it, it, it seems to be a common theme that runs through a lot of these ladies in whites that we've discussed on the show. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, the, the, now most urban legends will have a, a moral of some kind. And apparently the moral is that uh, men are pigs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the moral is that uh, love beats money when you want to marry your uncle. <laughs> marry, marry your uncle for love. Now, <laughs> if you're going to marry your uncle, make sure you really love him. Make sure you're not just doing it to keep family wealth. <laughs> uh yeah uh squeal like a pig so you know maybe it's that uh arranged marriages aren't all they're cracked up to be or uh, in in one case and uh on the other hand not arranged marriages the guy could always welch and and then you're left standing i I feel like arranged marriages really work out great for one person the other person just gets totally hosed yeah and it's yeah it's either either or either one right Yeah. yeah or it works out for nobody but the parents yeah, it's really a zero sum game in many in many respects. Yeah, just a just a lose lose. Uh, There's not situation. a lot of probabilities of a win win. No, I mean I I I know for a fact there are some out there like arranged marriages. It was like, oh no, this is actually pretty great. This worked out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, hey, we Especially actually for lazy that. people like me, where it's like, oh um, great, I don't have to deal with this now. It's just figured out. But I feel like I feel like that has more to do with chance than anything right. else. Like, That's a good you, point. You roll the dice enough times, you'll get snake eyes eventually. Uh, I think it's fair, though, that in any prearranged marriage, if you have to marry your uncle, you're not going to be happy. No, no, your uncle might be the best. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure the uncle in that situation is going, hmm, my <laughs> lovely young niece. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure he wasn't. Because, you know, he's he's the uncle in the family, so I'm sure he's not like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to marry my niece. That is beneath me. Yeah, yeah. I would probably like his to, idea. It's I would like to idea. think that would be the case, but let's be real. If yeah. you're if you're an uncle marrying the niece situation, the uncle's into it. Um, <laughs> it is upstate New York, though. Anything can happen. There. That's that's right. Well, clearly she uh, Elaine or not Elaine, but clearly the white lady was not into it. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that the that a lot of these these stories of white ladies do, I think, revolve around love and some kind of disappointment with love. Yeah. Well, and, and a I lot think that's of, a common theme and a lot of ghost stories do. And I've uh, and I've said this before, and I'm, I'm one of our episodes is going to is going to talk about this, maybe maybe Valentine's Day next year. But <laughs> in, in a sense, every ghost story is a romance of some kind. And I would and I would I would challenge most beliefs otherwise any good ghost story is, is a romance if you look at even the romantic period with poets and writers that's the edgar Allan Poe's, right that's the kind of when a lot of the ghost stories um or more haunting kind of styles of writing were brought into popularity in american literature so that would make sense that they all some and they all kind of a lot of these stories originate from that period that kind of like mid 1850s kind of um, time frame in a lot of ways so it doesn't surprise me that a lot of these stories revolve around some disappointment or love disappointment or something like that. Yeah. What interests me is the, is the similarities uh, between a lot of these stories. I mean, yeah, you know, you, you talk about a suicide bride, which look, these stories are going to be popular because of the, of the startling imagery, right? Yes. A bride 
somebody who's dressed for what should be the happiest day in her life hanging by a noose. It's a startling yes. image. Uh, and because of that, it's story fodder. So you're always, and, and there are only really only so many ways a suicide bride story can go. <laughs> you know, uh, that said, the the similarities between these stories, and we're talking we're talking at totally different areas of the country, or you know across you know across different spots of the in the country, how similar they are. Now with the with the other white lady, the one that I mentioned at the at the hotel, nobody knows why she you know nobody knows exactly what happened, and legend is sketchy on whether she jumped or fell or hung herself. Uh, which at least the legend is honest. <laughs> it's hey, yeah, we don't know. Right. Whereas in uh, the fraternity, it was definite. She had to bury her uncle, didn't want to, took her own life. But then you have the stories of Elaine and Lydia, which are so strikingly similar. Right. Got up on their on their wedding day, discovered they'd been jilted, went to their room and took their own lives. Which, again, there are only so many ways, but it, it did strike me as interesting that we have names for both of them and their stories are so similar in that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really interesting. Um, I think just the, the problem of like why, in my opinion, this is so easily debunked is just because this probably didn't happen that long ago. And there would be probably public or records that would be retrievable at the library if something like this were to happen, especially in the United States. Well, and that's just it. And and the thing of it is, is that and I'm not the only person who has looked into this uh, legend. Multiple people have actually looked into the legend, uh, looked into the hauntings at the fraternity and the sorority. Meryl McKee, who is a friend of mine and uh, is the founder of the uh, Northern New York Paranormal Research Society, who I worked with several, many, many years ago, investigated over a dozen hauntings. He's heard countless ghost stories. Uh, he said campus ghosts certainly conform to the urban legend formula. He, 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 this is from him. He says, except in one instance, I can think of most of them are friend of a friend which is yeah. you know, basically folklorist jargon for it's an urban legend, uh, right. which is you know, it's a key ingredient to urban legends. He says, usually these stories are brought up in a dorm setting near Halloween on a dark and stormy night, you know, basically just to capture the, the, the mood of Halloween. But they're presented as true because it's, you know, uh, that is what uh, that is what an urban legend is. But in all of his research, in my research, my personal research that I conducted, uh, author Sherry Revise research, and others, and I and believe me, I asked around, I looked around, there is no evidence that either of these things ever took place. Right. But yeah, that's the so that's that's kind of the 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 gist of it. And, you know, it's I, I I wanted to look at these two stories for a couple of reasons. First, because uh the suicide brides of Canton and Potsdam was actually the first piece of paranormal research that I ever did. Huh. Now, I had done some paranormal investigating, but the first hardcore piece of paranormal research I ever did was on the was on the uh, suicide brides of Canton and Potsdam. Have you been to either of the, the sites at all? I have I have been outside of them. I hadn't I haven't been in them. Uh, this uh, was this was a purely research uh, thing, not an investigation. One thing I thought about was um, the, the frying pan room, for example. Uh, and you probably know a lot about this is that in, in some cases, doesn't the temperature fluctuate a lot when there is the presence of some kind of paranormal activity or something like that? Well, that's the, that's the idea. Yeah. Usually the temperature goes down. Yeah. But not well, always. 
So it would be noticeable probably if there was something going on, you know, the frying pan room would go to the normal room. Yeah. So like the cold dorm, for example, maybe it's cold because a ghost lives there. Uh, the frying right. pan room, maybe it's hot because a ghost lives there, or maybe it's hot because it's uh, the, the, the highest room in the house uh, has right. a lot of uh, windows and is stuffy as shit. <laughs> you know? Right. right. Uh, you know, yeah, there's just, you know, maybe the cold dorm is cold because there's a draft. It's an old house. You know, right. Yeah. Um, and then that's, and that's, and that's what I was thinking was you, you, but it might be an interesting point for an investigation because from what I've, and you are the expert, not me, but what, well, again, what I've seen is that not really an expert. Well, well, we'll call you the expert because I have zero credential. I've made it very clear. I have zero <laughs> credentials to be on this podcast at all. <laughs> um, but, but the, the interesting thing, um, that I was thinking about is that you see the, the temperature usually drops if there's something and it pops back up to some equilibrium. Right. So I'd be curious to see if that would be an easy thing to monitor a little bit, you know, in that room, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody were to come in and, and, and take some temperature readings and um, see if there's any kind of fluctuation uh, when the experiences or if the experiences happen now in, uh, in most of these cases, these have been said to have been experienced like, like, uh, members of the fraternity and sorority did say, say that they experienced things, but and that's what I was going to ask if, if there's encounters. Yeah, they, they, they do say that they have encounters, but, uh, you know, like, like, for example, the, the sorority, you know, the members of the sorority, uh, their phones won't work if, hmm. if the wrong fella is, is calling swipe you know, that, left. Swipe left. <laughs> That's a. I mean, that is a helpful damn ghost, though. That is, man. That is. I I can imagine like there there are probably people all over the place who are like, man, I could have used. Oh, I mean, for and for, especially for the ladies out there, like you got a girl working for you if you join this sorority. Talk about a pitch to get them in, you know? Like, look, right. we got a ghost here and knows the freaking past, present, future. It'll tell you this guy sucks. Right. Talk about a powerful selling point for any new sorority member right now the 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 uh one of the dogs at the time that this that the that the the fraternity story was talking we were talking about some of the um other happenings uh one of the frat brothers dogs named kylie would stand at the door and bark for hours and the door refuses to stay securely closed now a door not closing well it's a 150 year old house so right (laughs) not not a big deal uh but they do say that they've seen the white lady apparition Um, interesting they uh heard loud noises and uh watched as a as a poster puffed out from the wall uh books on bookshelves started popping randomly out and uh now this all happened because the boys had been playing with a uh with with a bit of witchcraft drawing a large pentagram on the third floor with chalk but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting not, detail. Not the smartest, but you know, Hey, it is college. What do you do? It's college uh, and they are on mushrooms. So that's, they are on shrooms. And then you have Elaine who again has been seen or supposedly seen again. Legend is uh, not proven, but the phone goes dead. If the boy is considered not suitable, if the boy is considered suitable, Elaine has ways of getting the young couple together like Cupid. Yeah. Like Cupid. 
Uh, one girl became annoyed when her computer screen kept scrolling down to an old boyfriend's name when she was on instant messenger. Every time she tried to continue typing, it scrolled back down to the same guy's name, a guy she hadn't spoken to in some time. She finally broke down and called her ex and noted that the line did not go dead. Interesting. Yes. So, yeah, this. So, so Elaine, Elaine mostly is helpful, apparently. And we know very little about Lydia. But right. Other than the door stays shut and she pops bookshelves out when people are doing demonic. Oh, no, that wasn't and- Lydia. That was the white lady. Oh, Lydia's not the, the frat house one. Right. The frat okay. house one doesn't have a name. I got you. Lydia uh, is the one from uh, whatever it was, the hotel. From a hotel, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Lydia is the is the is the Elaine analog. Got you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so there are quote unquote experiences, but most of these things are experiences that without a legend to back them up are coincidences happenstances and just random weirdness that uh that takes place i mean nothing that says you know certainly that there is a spirit yeah i think with the frat um story too if they're doing you know demonic rituals or whatever it doesn't necessarily mean it's the white lady it could could be some other activity too something right well and, and it's worth noting too that the frat house has at least three supposed ghosts okay yeah so these these guys are on mushrooms all the time yeah, or or at least very drunk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So I mean, that you got to take that with a grain of salt too, I suppose. If if everything unusual that happens in the home is always related to a different ghost, then you got to pin it down to okay, how do you know which is which? Yeah, right. Well, and 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 too, like, how do you know that it's a ghost at all? Right. So question for listeners, and uh, we would love for you to, to uh, join us via Twitter uh, at the not normal pod uh, via Facebook at not normal podcast or email us at not normal pod one at gmail.com. If you went to college or if you live near a college, was it haunted? And do you know stories? And do you know stories of hauntings that we can look at? Because yeah, we would we would love to know. I mean, I, I talked to several people and I've gotten several stories of different hauntings around different campuses. Uh, most of them are not, are not germane to what we're talking about today, so I didn't really bring them up. Um, but we'll certainly be looking at uh, uh, haunted campuses again uh, in a future in a future episode. Uh, but you know, just to keep the conversation going. What are your yeah haunted campus stories? We would love to hear them. And again, you can uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, Facebook at the Not Normal Podcast or at Not Normal Podcast, um, Twitter or Instagram at uh, the Not Normal Pod or Not Normal or uh, Not Normal Pod One at Gmail Com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, while you're doing that and in a, uh, in, a, in a giving and communicative mood, why not rate us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast uh, host or, or listening app is. We would love to hear from you that way, too. This was remarkable, Randy, because I think college campuses are one. Uh, it's a cesspool for many things. And one of those is ghosts. <laughs> That's that's right. Just ghosts all over campus, all over campus. And we want to get to the bottom of which ones are real and which ones are not. Yeah, I now I think 
uh, and I and I think you knew where this was going when we started. <laughs> uh, I think our suicide brides at Cannon and Potsdam are urban legends. I think they're classic, classic urban legends. Oh yeah, we can't even of, nail it down to a to a real person. No, right. Which is kind of the reason I wanted to bring it up because it not only is it a great classic example of an urban legend, but it also shows you a little bit within that microcosmic view of how urban legends get around. Yes. Yep. And it's, and I think it, it, it's, it all seems to, if you listen to the different shows where we've been skeptical of certain stories, they're all related to this Philip experiment kind of thing, right? It's, it's some kind of urban legend that, it starts in one pocket and the story sounds interesting and it circles back around. Um, there's, there's some priming of, of a story that already exists that people are taking some confirmation bias with. And I think that what makes these more convincing, I think this is a challenge to the listeners too, is finding examples of these stories that don't fall in that, that don't fall into this confirmation bias, these types of urban legends that can circulate finding examples out there that would say, this is a real person. Um, here's some real examples. And this is not necessarily mainstream or talked about a lot. And that's, I think, the interesting stuff. And, and being careful, too, that, that that fiction does not get in the way of reality. You know, our first episode, uh, you know, was about an urban legend, but it was urban legend surrounding a real person. Yeah. But none of the legend was true. Yeah. And it was and it was demonstrably untrue. Uh, which, which again was interesting. I would suspect too, that, um, stories that are more likely to be real are probably more likely to be somewhat boring because, you know, you, you want to spice up the story at, at around campfires over the years. And well, and in that, in that game of telephone that we have, you know, it always, you almost, you almost never neglect spicy details. Exactly. You're, yeah. you're almost always going to add them or your imagination is going to add them and convince you that that was there. Right. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, that gives us a good kind of overview of how the urban legend can sort of, uh, can sort of spread out and, and, and turn into something else. Uh, and like I said, whether it started at, at Canton or whether it started at Potsdam, I think, I think it's clear that we're looking at a perfect example of this microcosm, um, this small world problem uh, that the uh, that the that the folklorist mentioned, uh, and this game of telephone, where you know, like I said, in in upstate New York and northern New York, thirteen miles ain't nothing. Yeah, um, you know, thirteen miles away, you probably have family thirteen miles away. You're you're trick or treating thirteen miles apart in yeah. between homes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, so, you know, so the idea that one of these legends could start at one spot and over time move down the road 13 miles and, and become slightly altered uh, is, is not only not outside the realm of, of possibility, but is in fact probable. Indeed. And I think that um, this is a very interesting way to, I think, illustrate the urban legends and how they, they kind of manifest. So very, very interesting story today. And uh, I'm kind of curious to see what, what our listeners think as well as maybe their favorite college ghost story in their old bizarre dorm room or hall of, of what have you. Definitely. We're definitely curious to hear from you and uh, we want to do that. So, Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we will catch you 
next time. And I have no idea what the uh, next episode is going to be, but it'll be it'll be fun. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Not Normal was recorded at the Venture Project by AJ Armstrong and edited by Randy Strew for Envision Podcasting. Audio clips downloaded courtesy moviesounds.org and music was from infinitunes.co. Not Normal is copyright to Randy Strew and AJ Armstrong. Thank you.